Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode 22 of the Pegasus podcast presented by Night Sports Now. I am Bailey Adams and I'm joined as always by Christian Simmons. You can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at ByCASimmons, and go ahead and throw us a follow at Night Sports Now while you're there. Uh, as we're sitting here right now, we are 11 weeks from kickoff, and that sounds like not that long of a time, but it sounds like a very long time at the same time. So, How does that not sound like a long time? I don't know. 11 weeks? 11 like, weeks? I don't know. I was talking to someone at work today, and I was, I was referencing a meeting that I had, which I was a meeting that I had last Thursday, and I thought it was two days ago. So it will, I think it will move quickly. Okay, yeah, then by your sense of time, 11 weeks is like four hours. So, <laughs> I yeah, could have you'll... sworn the meeting that I had was on Tuesday, but it was actually last Thursday. So. <laughs> it was a week ago. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I think it'll, it'll, uh, it'll move. It'll move a little bit. But the voice you're hearing is Christian. I have uh, uh, you, you cut in a little early there, man. I was going to introduce you, give you this grand entrance, and you had to question I'm, I'm my assuming sense it was of time. Going to be the same one I get every single yeah, week. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. Literally, your know, entrance is literally, I'm joined as always by Christian Simmons. I mean, it's pretty. Yeah, but what if I wanted to give you a special one this week? Were you going to give me a special one this week? No, but well, then why are you, (sighs) Bailey? I'm sorry, I just I just had to jut in when you were talking (laughs) about you know, eleven weeks, significant portion of a year, but like not that long. You know, it doesn't it doesn't feel like like that quarter of a year basically. We'll be sitting here next week, and it'll be ten weeks. How about that? Anything past eight weeks feels like too long for me to comprehend. That. Sounds like a you problem. Because eight weeks I can quantify as that's two months. But like 11 weeks, that's like, <laughs> like what was 11 weeks ago? It's like like March or February? Uh, I don't know. I don't have a concept of time as we've been over. So we'll go ahead and just jump <laughs> right into what we're here to talk about today. Uh, last week we were joined by Christian's dad, Roger Simmons, Mr. Roger Simmons, Sir Roger Simmons, covering all the names there, um, talking about some of his old stories. So we uh, briefly got to talk about uh, college football playoff expansion and the idea of a 12 team format coming out um, in, a, in a few years but we're uh, we're back to talk about it in uh, full go this week and Christian's going to give us a rundown of the format we're just going to kind of get into what this uh, what we think of this and how we think it's a work for UCF yeah I mean I, I you know I mean we talked like you said we talked about it a couple podcasts ago um what different playoff expansion models would look like. And first off, like my biggest thing that I can't believe is that college football, like proactively made a change and seemingly got it right. Like that's very <laughs> uncharacteristic. Like usually it's like, usually we realize what college football needs or the way it needs to go. And then we debate about it for 10 to 15 years and then it happens. So like, I think they started talking about how they needed a national championship game in like the sixties. And then like few short decades later in 1998, they were like, all right, we have one. So I, and then almost, and then by 2003, they were talking about how they need probably a playoff. And then it happened in 2014. So the fact that they, we like the expansion talk really heated up in 2018. And now three years later, we have a solid plan that's going to be implemented within a couple of years. I mean, that's shocking. Yeah. But, um, so yeah. fast. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago is like, cause it was all from the athletic word was the one that broke this whole thing. And even when they broke it a few weeks ago, that twelve team, the twelve team model was taking precedence in their meetings. It was kind of like so. Eventually, like talking twenty twenty five or whenever, that will be when that happens. And then uh, the playoff came out and was like, "Working group's done. Uh, yeah, we have a model, and it's more than just we're going to twelve teams. We've broken down the seeding, how it will work, how the bowls will be involved, everything. And it's probably going to happen in two years. I mean, we're, I, I mean, the recruits that UCF's talking to right now will be playing multiple years under this new format. That's crazy to me." Yeah. And it just, it happened so fast. And like, like you said, 
we're used to everything taking so long. And also we were used, I mean, I think for me, for a little while, I was kind of just thinking, oh yeah, they'll talk about this, but nothing's going to happen. Or I don't know. I just didn't want to believe it for a while, but I'm glad it's happening. And, and the fact that it's happening so soon and so quickly is it, obviously huge news for UCF. So yeah, 12 teams and the first, it's the first, um, the top six, the fact that it worked out to where the top six conference champions, top, the, high, the sixth highest ranked conference champions are the ones getting the berths like that is unreal for the group of five. That language, specifically the language of it, is uh, signals a dramatic shift for the group of five. First off, for those of you who don't know, it's not like the Power Five group of five labels, that those terms didn't exist pre-2013, 2014. That was when those labels became a thing. And the distinction, it's not like we just decided, we looked at conferences and says, these are stronger, these are weaker, this is the labels. I mean, it was a legal distinction. And it was that a Power Five conference is a conference whose champion is guaranteed a spot in a New Year's Six Bowl game. And a group of five conference is a conference whose champion is guaranteed nothing. That was the legal difference between them. Those were called AQ and non-AQ conferences in the BCS era when it was the AQ conferences, which became the Power Five, were guaranteed a bid in a BCS bowl. That's always been the difference. That's out the window now. No conference champion is guaranteed anything in this system. The six highest strengths get in. There's obviously only five power conferences. So you're going to have at least one group of five in every year. As people have documented well on Twitter, in this system... In 2020, the season we just had, there would have been two group of five teams because both the American champ Cincinnati and the Sunbelt champ Coastal Carolina were ranked ahead of the Pac-12 champ Oregon. So, like, I guess that's the thing that's craziest to me in this system is, like, it's a massive, massive win for the group of five. And as we talked about a couple weeks ago, the other big win is in an eight-team model, which for the longest time, that's what it always seemed like we were going to. It just didn't feel like a win for the group of five because it was like, okay, in an 18 model, even with an auto bid for the group for the highest ranked group of five champion, when we were still talking about that, congrats, you have to go on the road and play Alabama. Like, yeah. so you'll always lose. And a 12 team model, like Cincinnati this year would have played Georgia at Cincinnati, who they played very close and probably could have beaten UCF it, in 2018 UCF's last New Year's six season. If there's a 12 team playoff, UCF would have hosted Washington, Mackenzie Milton, Daryl Mack, Quadri Jones. I don't care. UCF's beating Washington that year. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's unreal how it's worked out and how it, it's seemingly moving forward because, like you said, like you just said, two group of five teams, like the fact that there's even one, like for the longest time, it was just like, oh, they may go to eight and not even give the group of five, you know, an automatic bid. You know, there was questions of whether, whether, that, whether or not that was going to happen. It was just going to have to be, oh, like if you're a group of five, you better be, you know, in the top eight. You better, you better be good enough to, to win all your games, get in the top eight. But now the fact that it's 12 teams – you're getting it's the top four conference champions are getting buys. And then, you know, you're going to have some years where it's very possible that two group of five teams are going to get in. And, and most likely of the power five, it's the Pac-12 is probably taking a back seat because they just seem to be the ones that it's, can't it, figure it out. It, listen, it's more than the Pac-12. I, I, I mean, it, say that Clemson has a down year. Who in the ACC is stepping up? If Oklahoma has a bad year, who in the yeah. Big 12 is? I mean, there are three of the five power conferences are – one of them is defined by no one, and two of them are defined by a team. I mean, the only difference between the Pac-12 and the Big 12 and the ACC is the Big 12 and ACC have a dynasty in their conference. Yeah. And that's what's hurt the Pac-12. But And I think the other thing is this ditching the labels, Power 5, Group and 5, just six highest conference champions, is, yeah, the first couple of years, it'll be like it is now. You'll have 12 teams. It probably just won from the Group of 5. But within a few years, because the whole idea, I mean, the, the ranking ceiling that UCF and Cincinnati have encountered in recent years is due to the fact that they didn't want to risk a group of five team making the playoff. I mean, that's not hyperbole. That's just the truth. And I mean, and we saw that with, 
you know how UCF, they always kind of wanted this buffer. Scott Frost even said after he left for the Nebraska job, it was clear they were putting teams in front of us to ensure a buffer because they didn't want them to, to crash a 14 playoff, which I understand because, well, I don't agree with it, but I understand that from the committee's perspective, it was to put the four best teams in. I always felt that was a misguided mission, but from their perspective, that was it. So in their eyes, a team that's, I don't know, putting together 50th ranked recruiting classes every year shouldn't be in the playoff. So that was their motivation. But now there is no motivation to cap a group of five teams ranking because they're going to be in either way. There's always going to be one in. So there's no reason to cap it. And, and that really opens the possibility of group of five teams, multiple teams getting in, teams hosting games. We already in this current system would have seen multiple group of five teams host playoff games. That's crazy. Yeah, and it, it will just, I think, not, you know, to a certain extent, it will even the playing field. Maybe not money-wise in terms of TV contracts and all that stuff. Because that's not at first. Know, it's, yeah, not at first. But it's going to even the playing field and recruiting because what's like we'll talk about this a little bit more later. But like, what's stopping a recruit from coming to a group of five school that has like one of the top group of five schools rather than a bottom feeder power five school? And you know, that's, that's, the that's, big, that's the key big difference to me. That's like the tectonic shift type difference. Is that. It's like the most frustrating part of UCF and recruiting. And I know it's different under Malzahn because he's going after like five stars for some reason, but like past years, it would always be like, I understand why we offer guys and they go to Alabama. I get that. But like very consistently, like nine times out of 10, UCF will offer someone and then Iowa state comes in or Purdue comes in or Arizona state comes in. And the kid is like power five and takes that. That era is done. It's truly done. Because there's no reason now for a kid who's from Orlando or from Central Florida or a kid who's from Cincinnati to say, yeah, I'm going to go move across the country to be in a power conference where my team's never going to win more than eight games, or I can stay home, stay close to my family, and I could be in contention for a playoff spot every year. And the number one reason recruits pick schools is to go to the NFL. That's just the way it is. And that's what Alabama and Ohio State sales pitches are. I, Iowa State or Arizona or whoever are not putting more recru- are, are not putting more players in the NFL each year than a UCF or Cincinnati. UCF just had five guys drafted. So what's your pitch over UCF? You you have nothing on them. <laughs> Maybe yeah. our locker rooms are more flashy. Like is that <laughs> is that your big selling point? Well, that's the thing, and just, this kind of just came to my mind is like under this system, under this format, who's to say UC- like UCF has to be a top fifteen destination for a recruit at this point, right? I don't know if, if fifteen is kind of just an arbitrary number I came up with, but I can't think of a ton of schools or a ton of programs that are more attractive than UCF, especially when you can come here and you're, it looks like you're going to have a chance to play for a national championship. I wouldn't go as far as top 15. Um, I'd say top 30. I, I would top say 30. top 30 is fair. I also think it depends on what ha- what happens in those first few years. Like I, yeah. cause I think some of this does have to get proven. Like I think the recruiting after UCF makes a playoff and if they win a game in the playoff, or even farther. I don't want to project way because I'm not going to be like, oh, UCF's going to go. That's one thing I do want to get into too is how this affects group of five championship hopes. But I, I, like, if you like, say, let's just say best case scenario, 2023, when this when this format is set to start, UCF's the hot group of five team that year. They go undefeated. Or they only lose a game. They win a first round game and lose in the semifinal. You're still to recruits. You're one of the eight teams that were playing at the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're in the top eight and for all these guys from central Florida, where you're in such a recruiting rich territory, and it's still going to be different. Like I, I think of like in 2016, Western Michigan was the group of five team that popped off. Mm-hmm. It's not like Western. I don't think Western Michigan gets to redefine their program if they made a playoff that year, because there's just not recruiting <laughs> that's yeah. available there. But when you're a Cincinnati, specifically the teams that are going to benefit most are Cincinnati, UCF, Houston, and SMU, because they're the teams that can pitch guys on literally in their own backyards on just staying home and making the playoff from your home city. So that's going to be huge. And yeah, I think that it, 
the recruiting will really shift. And I'm not saying UCF's ever going to be landing like top 20 classes. I don't know if that's possible. We'll just have to see where this new system takes us. But once you're a team that's made the playoff and you can point to a playoff banner that 75% of the power five is never going to be able to point to, that's going to dramatically change your impact on recruits. Cause now, and especially when you're putting guys in the NFL at the level that UCF is now you're saying, come here, play in the playoff, go get drafted. That That's a better pitch than 80% of the power five is ever going to be able to make. Yeah. And it's interesting. The point you you come up with those four teams and those four programs that are able to pitch like guys in their backyard. You almost think too, if they ever can get, get their act figured out and kind of, you know, get back on track to winning and putting themselves in a contention in contention for a conference championship and in contention for the playoff. This is a huge if, but it's USF. I mean, there's a ton of talent. In USF Tampa. has can benefit so much from this. There's and a ton I of talent just, in Tampa. And yeah. if they can, you know, put together some good seasons and get some of that talent to stay and they're already, they already are in some cases, but if they can find some consistency and actually play well and, you know, <laughs> having winning seasons, it's, it's going to, it could benefit them huge. Can you imagine a war on I-4 game where a potential playoff spot's on the line? That's huge. Yeah, I mean, that's massive. That's a th- I mean, that sounds stupid to say, and it's a legitimate thing that could happen in yeah. the system. I mean, that's literally if they're playing for a spot in the conference championship game, you could have like the 2017 game. In this system, both those teams are fighting to get into the playoff. <laughs> that's crazy. Like that's, as, yeah. As I, iconic I, yeah. and as crazy as that game was, if you add the, the stakes of playoffs on that, it's even more, it's even bigger. It really is. And one thing I do want to get into, if I can direct the conversation a little bit here, course, I, know that's yeah. typically, I know that's typically your role, <laughs> but um, I, the, I'm, I've been happy that for the most part, pretty widely this system and what they announced to people have been happy about. Um, there aren't there. I mean, there's always noise. People are always going to be mad and it's the folks you'd expect. Like, yeah, Ohio state fans are mad. Alabama fans are mad. <laughs> actually, I haven't seen a lot from Alabama fans. Alabama fans just seem like do whatever you want. We'll still win it. Yeah. Um, but I, I like the teams that are, already making the playoff i see why they're upset because from their perspective all you're doing is just adding another game they have to win before they go in a national championship so i get that but there hasn't been a lot of ups- widely this has been considered a good move the only thing people are a little not on board with is that uh the second round of games will be bowl games instead of on-campus games um i feel like i'm one of the only human beings in the world that doesn't mind that but i know everyone hates bowls so that's fine i feel like you that's know. such an easy fix i feel like it should be i mean we, we don't have to get into it but i feel like it should be on campus games for that round too. And then do you see the bowl games for semis and the championship? So here's the problem. It's not that it's not a simple fix because all of these bowls have contracts that run through 2026, which is okay. when the playoff ends. So if you want to tell the bowls to get lost fine, but then we're not switching to 12 teams until 2026. If you want to switch to 12 teams in 2023, then you need to incorporate your existing contracts and the bowls need to be a part of it. So maybe they'll switch to bowls for a few years and then they'll switch to on campus, but and I also just, I don't know, I'm, a, I'm just, I like bowls. I know that other people don't and they think they're stupid. And I do agree there are a lot of ways the system is set up is stupid. But like, I don't like the idea of the Rose Bowl every year being like the fifth best team from the Big Ten and Pac-12 playing each other. That just seems wrong to me. Like, I just feel like that has to be included somehow in whatever the new system is. Yeah. Okay, so now that I'm trying to kind of doing the math in my head. And so the, the that's why they're doing it like that is that there will be... How many New Year's Day games are there? Six. Six? Okay. Which it fits yeah, perfectly in the system because then then the second round would be four bowls and then the semifinals would be two bowls and they could rotate just like they do now. 2023 is also the ideal year because that's the year the rotation sets. They'll be back from where they were at the start of the system. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think, yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize that was like the reasoning behind it. And now it makes a lot more sense. But I do feel like once those contracts are up, it would be it would probably be more advantageous and better for everyone involved 
not including the bulls, obviously, but I think it'd be better to have, because if you're, that's the, the argument that people are making is if you're one of those top four teams and you're getting a buy, you're not getting a home playoff game and all the revenue that comes with that. And you know, the advantage yeah. that comes with that. And all you that can't stuff. sell season six. Like it, it, it's weird to think about that. Like in this system, and this is where I do agree with them. Like UCF can sell season ticket holders on, you'll have first dibs on a playoff game and Alabama season ticket holders don't get that. Yeah. Cause they'll be better every year. That doesn't make sense to me. So I don't know what the fix is. Maybe it's just, we sacrifice some of the bowls. Like maybe you just get to the point where the semifinals every year, like the Rose bowl and sugar bowl are semifinals. Cause those are the two most meaningful ones anyway, I feel like historically. Yeah. And that's that and the restaurant campus and you just tell the orange bowl and the rest to get lost. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the fix is, but anyway, this was all to say that I want to talk about the one complaint that people are consistently having outside the bowl thing. And it's not like, again, this is sort of a minority of college football fans. The majority of college football fans and media and everyone are on board with this. How could but you not one, be really? Like, if you think about I, it, just like on, on the whole, how could you not be? If you're a college football fan in general, like. Because for the first time in the 150 plus year history of the sport, uh, it's going to sort of be fair. <laughs> and some people aren't okay with that. I, I literally, I listened to the athletic has an Ohio state podcast and I was listening to it and they were literally talking about how like uh, the, one of the best things about college football is the debate. And what will we do without the debate? I oh mean, we God. love these arguments. And I'm, and I'm like, that is so easy to say when you're Ohio state yeah, because you're always on the right side of the debate. It's not easy to say when you're a UCF or even a TCU or a Baylor or whoever who gets left out of the playoff and told by a committee, sorry, we watched your games and we decided this other team that you didn't get to play is better than you. So even though your record was better. So no, I don't agree. But either way, the big complaint people have is, well, how will the regular season matter now? I mean, that's what people consistently go back to. How will the regular season matter? Because now you'll have teams that are 10 and 2 getting on blah, 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 blah. Going through it, I think the regular season still matters a ton. Yeah. And in some ways, I think it matters even more now. Yeah, I mean, you have to get to the conference championship game. And in most cases, you have to get the conference championship game in order to have a shot at the playoff. I mean, that's how it should work. And that's how it does work. Like, I don't understand. And also it moves. I mean, the big thing is like, yes, early season games are not going to matter a ton anymore. But to me, that's a good thing. Cause then we can move toward more towards what college basketball has. We're like opening weekend of college football is just like a bunch of super high profile matchups because teams aren't afraid to play each other because they know they can lose. And it's still a resume loss. That is, that is how I, I do wonder how that would affect scheduling. Like, how would this affect scheduling on the whole? Because, like, if you're going to say, are our programs going to do that? Are they going to be okay with with scheduling those big games? Or are they going to say, hey, we need to give ourselves, you know, a few weeks to, to get on track with these non-conference games. And then, you know, it's conference season. We got to go full throttle and, and get to the conference championship game to go to the playoff. Like, I don't know how, I guess if different programs are going to approach it different ways, but I'm just Well, I think you need to schedule scheduling. tougher because in this current format, it's pretty much just if you're in the power five and you're undefeated or one loss, you'll be it because there's only a couple of those every year. And that'll still be the case for those teams. But then when you've got, I mean, the group of like the teams from like the six to 15 or even 17 or 18 range are all going to be in the range of two losses or so. And when they're sorting out those teams, they're going to look at strength of schedule. So if you're a team that played, you know, an FCS and a couple low level group of fives and you're 10 and two versus a nine and three team that lost to Georgia or something, I think they're going to prioritize the schedule. Well, then having explained that, that is the answer to what those Ohio State people were talking about, because there's your debate, you know, the debate that you crave so much. If they're, if it's that like bunched up in between, you know, the six to 15, six to 16, 17, if there's all those teams in contention for the last six spots, that's where the debate's going to come in. Yeah, the debate's just further down the bracket. And yeah. there's also going to be debates about who deserves to be playing a home playoff game, who deserves to go on the road. And, who I even deserves think, to be top of top one of the top four conference champions. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause there's going to be six conference champs in everywhere every year and two of them aren't going to get a buy and there's yeah. going to be debate around that. I mean, it's just the, the debate shifts more towards the end of the season. And I don't get how it's a bad thing to make the end of the season more interesting than the start. I don't get how that's a bad thing to have the whole nation engaged in November that's when true. right now in November, no one cares. It's yeah. like, if you're not one of the playoff teams, you checked out. It, 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 and that's not true for like every fan base. I mean, there's, there are tons of great fan base out there. You have as one of them, but I'm talking about from like a national perspective and a national media perspective by November, no one is being talked about nationally, except the four teams that are going to be in the playoff and the one or two that might sneak in. That's it. They are the only teams that are talked about on game day. They're the only teams that you're going to see stories about. And it's not the way it should be, but I just wanted to run through. I, I looked through some examples of why the regular season still matters. And you have to reframe it a little bit because one of the things that does matter now is, yeah, there are teams that are going to be making the playoffs almost every year, but are they going to be getting a buy? Are they going to have to go on the road in the first round? Things like that. One example to me is 2019 Alabama. Alabama in 2019 was doing what they always did. They started the season 8-0. They're cruising to a first round buy like they're always going to get. Then they run into Joe Burrow's LSU and they lose at home. That knocks them down to fifth in the playoff rankings. And this is what this is where the CFP ranked them that year. So now suddenly they're looking at playing in the first round, which that's unfortunate. You'll still get a home game in the first round, but you're not getting your bye. Then final day of the regular season, they play a close game with Auburn, their big rival, and they lose. The loss to Auburn knocks them out of the playoff. The CFP put them at number 13. How are you going to tell me the regular season doesn't matter when we can live in a world where Auburn's knocking Alabama out of the playoff on the final day of the season? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a perfect example right there. Yeah, like how do you not, I, I, that would be crazy. I, can you imagine, like that game already was fun, but it already almost didn't have stakes because in a 14 model, Alabama probably wasn't going to make it. Yeah. But the idea of Auburn just straight up ending Alabama's season and Auburn got pushed up to 12th. I mean, they were basically playing a playoff play-in game at the Iron Bowl. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, you're, you're adding an extra layer of chaos to, like you said, the end of the season. Like that rivalry weekend for a lot of teams is you know there are some rivalries that are just you know rivalries for the sake of being rivalries I guess but there's also some that just have this so much like they're, they're two really like high powered teams like an Alabama and Auburn like every year that game will matter most likely that yeah. game will matter and then if, if Florida State ever returns to to what it was you know a few years ago I guess it was more than a few years ago now but think about Florida Florida State I mean that could be another I, let me tell you about 2015 Florida went into the Florida State game 10 and 1 in 2015 and they were set to be in the playoff. They actually gotten and talking about the regular season not mattering. They played FAU at home the week before, and they went to overtime with FAU. They won, but the playoff committee knocked them from what would have been a home game in the first round to a road game from playing a close game with FAU. Yeah. And then they went to FSU and they lost, and they fell out of a playoff spot entirely. They were ten and one. They only had one loss. They fell out of the playoff spot on the final on the final week of the regular season. So I'm gonna say the regular season doesn't matter. It can matter earlier in the season too. In 2018, Auburn opened the season beating number six Washington. So that was a big pad to start their season. They were ranked in the top ten even after an early loss to LSU. Then they lost to Mississippi State. They were dropped 21st. They were out of the race six games into the season. So they're still gonna be. It's not like I feel like people are imagining this world where just every Power Five team is going to be in the hunt at the end of November, and it's just not true. It's, yeah, that that will never be the case. I, I mean, I can't. If you look at any season, I'd say probably any season, almost any season, like it's going to matter. Like you're, you're going to be, you know, whittling down the contenders week by week. And so it's not, maybe a few teams hang around longer than normal, but it's not going to be like a big, like, oh, we have no idea who's going to be in the playoff or who's going to be like those top six teams by the end of the season. It's, I don't know. And and there's going to be layers to it when you've got a team that going into rivalry weekend was going to be on a buy in the first round and then they end up losing in the first round. It was going to be like, man, you know, that game, if it had gone differently. Yeah. 
and there again there's your there's your debate there's your like not controversy but there's like the the extra layers to college football that everybody loves so much it's right there and i will say i did find one example because i was really trying hard to throw the regular season doesn't matter people a bone so i found one example of a team that the regular season did not matter for and i don't know why this is the case but it was 2019 wisconsin (laughs) i'm assuming that in a 12 team system the playoff committee would not rank a team this way so they lost to Ohio. They were ranked number 13 going into their game against Ohio State. They lost to Ohio State 38 to 7. They stayed at number 13. <laughs> Not sure what that's about. Then they made the conference championship game. They lost to Ohio State there 34 to 21. They were number eight going into the game. After the game, they were still number eight. That doesn't even. <laughs> I had to double, I had to go find tweets to double check because I thought it was like a glitch in the site I was using. I was like, how did they just, but no, they did. So I don't know what that's about. But anyway. So there, there, so I'm assuming I, I, there you go. People who say the regular season doesn't matter. I found a team where it wouldn't have mattered. Well, Wisconsin could do no wrong. I kind of just want to know what the reasoning was behind that. Like that was the year that Ohio the game state just... was destroying college football. Okay. They ended up losing to Clemson in the playoff, but like, in the, like they were putting up 70 points on teams. And so I think still, it was just like, kind of like, ah, uh, you don't drop them even one. Like, it just almost feels like the game ended too late. So they're like, ah, you know, the game's still going on. I'll just, I'll keep them where, where they are. And you know, I get so the 34 21 in the conference championship. I kind of get that one. I get it a little bit more. Yeah. I don't get the 38, seven loss. Not even, <laughs> I not don't get that list. And then, but, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Not I mean, not to, so if they're 13, they're 13, correct? Before the 38 to seven loss. Yep. If you drop them, like you should have after that loss, then they never get back up to number eight for the conference championship. Yeah, at best know, case, just, sc- best case I, scenario for them is looking at going on the road in the first round. Yeah, I can't imagine, case. like you said, I can't imagine they would have ranked them that way if anything else was on the line. If, if the playoff format was like the 12-team playoff and there's actually stakes to where they are, because at that point it was just like, ah, it doesn't really matter where they are, honestly, then I, I think it would. I think they would have handled it differently. I think the teams in the 10 to 15 range are going to be ranked a lot differently given that now that means something because before it just didn't really mean much before. Yeah. Um, But the other thing that, so the athletic put back, anyone could have done it, I guess, but the athletic post an article of doing every playoff, what every 12 team playoff would have been for the last decade. And UCF makes it three times in the last decade. I think UCF made it the 14th most times of all the teams in college football. (laughs) So that's crazy to me, but I do kind of, part of me as well, obviously I love the system. I'm so happy they're moving to this. Part of me thinks now, at least in the way things are set up now, I don't know if a group of five team can actually win a national championship in this situation. I mean, it would just take, I feel like it would take a magical season. And it takes more than, I mean, even Alabama, you're talking about that you basically have to beat three blue bloods in a row to be a national champion. And that's something that even the best of teams probably can't do which is why i do think we'll have a more pure national champion than we have in past years because like if a team can get through that slate and when you know that they are the best team in college football i mean yeah and i think if if you i mean like you just said it's it would be insane to beat three blue blue bloods in a row and i think if you look at it short term yes but i think if you if this is long term i don't know how many years down the road but like we all like to talk about ucf's the future college football could they not be uh, on the verge of being a blue blood like many years down the line? And like, it's not so much of a, a disparity anymore between a UCF and an Oklahoma or a UCF and whoever, you know what I mean? Like, does that make any Maybe. sense? I, I mean, the thing that people don't realize now is, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, look right where the sport is right now, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio state, and sort of Georgia are way ahead of the rest of the sport. They just are. 
and that's why you see that they go to the playoff every year. They beat up everyone here. I don't think the system changes that overnight. I don't think it even changes it short term. I think those teams, because at the end of the day, they put all these guys in the NFL. They're they're going to continue to recruit like that. But the next level of teams, the teams that every year are like fifth to tenth, the top of the group of five, the very top of the group of five is right there with those teams as is. And yeah. now the group of five is going to have a significant recruiting advantage, at least in theory, over the majority of the power five. So presumably we're going to move into a world where the top of the group of five is capable of doing the same thing in the playoff that like a Texas A&M would do or someone or a Florida, someone in that range mm-hmm. who's, you know, not who is very good, but not like top tier of college football. Presumably within a few years, maybe even within a decade, the top group of five teams should be recruiting closer to how those teams are recruiting. Yeah, and, and, and so at that point, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe they can make a run. Yeah, and two things on that is like you mentioned, you know, the top of the group of five is right around that range right now. And if it just you in this format, you throw in, if they do manage to host a playoff game, that's like that's a huge like, that's a huge advantage in the group of five teams' favor. That could you know could be a difference difference maker in the game. Like they're already close enough to where you know it could be anybody's game regardless on, on, on a neutral field. But then, like you said, this this year, like with Cincinnati having having been able to host Georgia, I think that does make it make a big difference. Makes a difference of what was it three points? Yeah. Like I think that's I think that kind I of think thing, a packed Nippert Stadium is worth three points. Yeah, and I think that kind of thing is where you get like the the really excite like a lot more of the excitement. And like you said too, you get more of a pure champion because there's gonna be there's gonna be points where like we that's we wanted to say it all 2017 it was. You know, would UCF have beaten Alabama that year? We don't know because they didn't get the chance to play on the field. But in this system, yeah, the teams are going to get matched up on the field. And there's going to be chances where maybe a team is has like gone undefeated the whole regular season as a number one or two seed. But then they run up against a team in the playoffs that is maybe not as as talented, maybe not quite the on the same level, but they just don't match up well against them. And, you know, that lower seeded team wins. So like, that's where I feel like this is so much more, like you said, so much more fair and like you can get a true national champion this way because at least you're giving teams chances to beat those top blue bloods. Cause otherwise it's just, you put the same blue bloods in the top four every year and they just beat up on each other and no one cares. Yeah. And look, I'm totally being honest. I don't think it's going to change who wins the championship for a while. I think Alabama's still going to win it. I think Clemson will still win it. I think Ohio state will still win it. And then the on the, yeah, I mean, the odd year, like you have the odd year where an LSU comes back and wins it or yeah. someone and- I, I mean, I don't think that's changing. My take right now is that the end, the regular end of, or the end of the college football season and the college football postseason is so boring because like we're already there. Why not have some fun in the first few rounds? And that, and that's what the system is. Even if Alabama still eventually wins it, you had way more fun along the way. So I'm going to do this. Speaking of the group of five teams, I, I just want to get your take. Let's look at where some group of five teams would have been real, and how far you think they advance. Real quick on like, so we, just before we get to that on that, mm-hmm. you can kind of parallel, like you just said, like the end of the end of the season, First few rounds, you can have the fun. That's exactly what happens in college basketball. Everybody loves March Madness so much. And I mean, maybe it's just me. I don't think it's just me, but it's the early rounds no, it's that not. are the People most love fun. March Madness. Yeah, you know I'm saying, I'm saying early, the early rounds are the most fun. And then once you get down to the, the uh, Sweet 16, there's maybe still a few Cinderella's left or one or two. And then once you get down to the Final Four, usually it's just like the same, not the same, but it's usually those top programs. And so well, it's, it's like a few years ago, like when. Yeah, I mean, it's probably going to be the same in college football, but. I mean, it's when FCCU went on their run a few years ago in college basketball, like, you know, they went, they won the first round, second round, like no one was sitting there like, oh, well, you know, 
they can't actually win the national championship. So this isn't fun. It was awesome. Yeah. Like it was so fun. It was that hope. And they're like, Oh, it went, if they go all the way, if they do take this all the way and win the national championship, like how crazy would that be? It's, it's Leicester city winning. Well, I guess not anymore, but back when they won the premier league, it's, it's yeah. that kind of thing where a um, team that's not supposed to be up there is up there winning a championship. Yeah. I, I, I just don't get why that's it. And like I said, the big thing with this, and we're getting way off now, cause I want to talk about these group of five teams real quick, <laughs> right. but it, that that's the main thing with the system is even if it doesn't necessarily change who wins, at least you've got the whole country now that's invested throughout the season. Pac-12 yeah. teams have a reason to care. Group of five teams have a reason to care and not just about whatever their specific goals are. Like a Pac-12 champ isn't caring about just getting to year six. UCF isn't caring about just winning the conference or hopefully getting to year six. You, everyone in the country gets to start the year saying, if we won, if we win all our games, we will be in the playoffs. Every yeah. single team in the country can say that to start the season. Yeah. And it's crazy that it's taken this long to get to the point where that's actually the case. Yeah. Well, we're almost there. So, <laughs> so I mean, speaking of how far can a group of five team go, let's, let's talk about this. Let's start with 2013. And why did I pick 2013? Cause UCF wasn't it that year. <laughs> um, so that would have been obviously Blake Bortles led UCF. They would have been number 12. They would have gone to play at Alabama in the first round for reference. UCF that year went and won the Fiesta Bowl over Baylor. Bama lost uh, by a couple touchdowns to Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl. Oh, that was so, that year. Okay. Yeah. So do you think UCF can win that game at Alabama? I think they could, but I don't think they do. You think they lose? Yeah. Okay. Do you not? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't I, I, specifically I don't remember that Alabama team very much, but. I, I mean, I think that was, I mean, UCF, our only reference point really is South Carolina that year. Cause you yeah. did play South Carolina, South Carolina did not play Alabama though, but South Carolina was the one of the best teams in the sec. I think they finished ranked number four UCF lost to them by three at home. Um, so yeah, I think you see, I, I, I would, I'm sure Alabama fans are like disagree or a lot I, of remember, fans, but I think that game's a toss up to me. I seem to remember that Alabama team was close to going to the championship. Right. And then something, I forget what, did they lose the, that was Auburn the kick that six year? year. Yeah, that was the okay. kick six year. So I don't know. I just seem to remember the discourse around that time being, oh, you know, Alabama didn't care about this bowl game because if for Alabama not to care, I mean, Alabama maybe doesn't care about a New Year's six game that's not in the playoff. Not every I would Power say, that, say it, that, but, but also but. like a couple of years ago, they didn't make the playoff and they didn't even make a New Year's six and they still went to the Citrus Bowl and beat the crap out of Michigan. I don't even, oh, I do remember that. Yeah, no, I'm just saying, I, I don't remember exactly the specifics, but I just remember there being a lot of talk around that time about opt-outs, about them just like kind of sleepwalking through and not really caring. And I remember, I don't remember if there was something around saving being think, upset. With I don't that, think but... opt-outs were really a thing in 2013. No? I don't, that, I that was, was more like... Year, but I remember there was something, something around that year was basically just Alabama just did not want to be there and didn't care. Probably what you're thinking of is Alabama lost a bowl game. So their fans yeah. said, ah, no. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so, okay, well, there you go. According to Bailey, uh, UCF loses to Alabama in 2013. So the first group of five to make a playoff. Sorry, no, no luck. <laughs> um, all right, then 2014, it would have been Boise State, who was really low ranked. They lost two games. Um, but they would have been, with that six conference champ rule, they would have been, and they would have, they beat Arizona in real life. I don't know what Arizona was doing in the Fiesta Bowl that year, but there they were. Um, so Boise would have gone to play at number five Baylor in 2014. That was like peak Baylor doing Baylor things. Yeah, I would assume they would lose that game. Right. That's kind of how I feel. Yeah. Baylor in real life lost the Cotton Bowl to Michigan by a point. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. Group of fives are 0-2. Then this is the first year that I feel very confident in the group of five team winning. It's 2015, which is Houston. Houston would have gone on the road to face number five, Iowa. Oh, yeah. I mean, I could see Houston winning that game. And that was the year that Iowa was like at one point going to be in the playoff. They started really, really strong. Weren't they 10-0? I think they were, they were 12 and 0. 
Worth, and, oh, then they, and then okay. they lost the Big Ten championship, and then they lost the Rose Bowl. Okay, yeah. So we'll give it. All right, so then Houston, they win that game. They're now playing Oklahoma in the next round, 2015 Oklahoma. Would that have been – I don't remember who was – I don't remember that game, that team. Yeah, but. I don't either. I don't, I don't remember who was their quarterback. But for <laughs> reference, they made the playoff. They were 11-1, and one, made the playoff, and got blown out by Clemson. I don't even remember. Who, yeah, who was their quarterback that year? I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out now. Because it was, was before Baker, right? Yeah. Or was it Baker? No, it was before Baker. No, that was not Baker. That was not Baker. Baker was 2017. And 2016, wasn't he? Uh, Yes. It was Oklahoma's quarterback. 15. I don't know. This is going to bother me, though. But, yeah, I don't know. I still probably would give the edge to Oklahoma just based off of my random randomization of it. But No, it was Baker Mayfield. Was it? Yeah. Is he had for three years? Did he start for three years? Apparently he started for three years. I thought he started for two. But All right, yeah, I'm giving it to Oklahoma. All right, yeah, Oklahoma wins. So the group five team wins, but goes down the second round. So not a chance for a national championship. 2016 was Western Michigan. Western Michigan would have gone to play at number five, Ohio State. I don't believe Western Michigan wins that game in any scenario. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. Sorry, PJ Fleck. Um, 2017, uh, there was this group of five team named UCF who they would have played at number five, Alabama. This was the Alabama, obviously, that... Oh. Uh, I guess the question for me in this one is does or does not Alabama discover Tua during that game? Yeah, I don't know. I guess that's so much. It's so hard to do this with hindsight, but. That to me swings it. If they don't end up using Tua like they did in the real life scenario, then I think UCF can totally, that UCF team specifically could have totally beat Alabama. I mean, they beat Auburn who beat Alabama. I honestly, I honestly think they could have beaten Alabama that year with Tua. Yeah. Yeah. I know we're sounding like homers now, but the other thing is that was, that was a weak year for the top teams. Clemson was not that good that year. Alabama didn't even win their division. I mean, it it was a weaker year for the top team. Yeah. I I just, I don't know. I think that's what I'm saying. I thought I said that with 2013 is that I think they could have won. I think UCF could have won that game. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It just depends on a lot of factors, I guess. Yeah. So let's just say UCF wins for fun. Um, They would have then played Ohio state in a New Year's six bowl. Okay. Ohio State that year. I don't play. believe it was a banner year for them. I don't. They, no. I don't think they made the playoff in real life. No, because it was um, it was Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Georgia, and yeah. Alabama. Clemson. Yeah, Ohio State was a two-loss team. That was the year that they um got. They lost to Oklahoma. They got blown up by Oklahoma earlier this season, and then Iowa randomly just killed them. They lost fifty-five <laughs> to twenty-four to Iowa. I remember that. Yeah, and then they they narrowly got past wisconsin in the big 10 championship and then in real life they beat uh usc in a blowout in the cotton bowl so what was their ranking uh the, going into the playoff yeah like because it's just a you if you they were fifth they were ucf fifth. was what going to play alabama the fight so they were what 12 yeah we were 12th alabama was fifth but in real life ohio state is a conference champion so they would have gotten a bye and alabama would not because they're not a conference champion okay so that's why ohio state's getting a bye in this okay so alabama would have been probably a f- four Alabama was four in real life in the 12 team. They would have been fifth. Gotcha. Okay. 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 Gotcha. Yeah. They basically just flipped because Alabama wasn't a conference champions. They couldn't have a top four spot. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. This is so, I, I feel like I'm sound so, like so much of a homer, but that 2017 UCF team was so good that I think they would have had a, a good shot. My take is they, I absolutely believe they beat that Ohio state team in a vacuum. I don't know if they do it a week after they played Alabama. Yeah, that's fair. That's my take. Um, but either way, if you have a group five team win the first round, don't think that's the second round. This is the year where it's interesting to me. It's 2018. It's again, UCF. If UCF would have hosted Washington, I really don't, I can't think of a scenario where UCF loses to Washington at home. I see. Yeah. I mean, they, <laughs> everything, all things considered only lost to LSU by eight. 
and had a backup quarterback who had started at that point, what, like three games? Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I, still, I still think they could have beat Washington. Because I, I don't think too. Washington Mac was very good that year. Yeah, I totally, I totally believe. Washington was ten and three, and they were coming out of a very weak Pac-12. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't even necessarily think UCF struggled. Especially, you got to think about the bounce house atmosphere for a playoff game. That would have been the first home playoff game for a Group of Five team ever. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't think, I don't think they're winning. But the downside is Mac or Milton. UCF then has to go play Alabama in the next round, and that was one of the years that Alabama was quite good at football. Yeah, this is probably where you run into that. This is where you run into. You mean you're probably going to run into a wall most years as a Group of Five team, but. That's that's where it kind of goes back to the point, though, is that you can have that fun in the first round or that's first two rounds, whatever, you know? Yeah. And I'm not going to say like UCF goes in, they win the first round. And then even in the second round, I don't say they get blown out. Like it could still be a fun game and you kind of have that kind of thing. Like, oh, could they beat? Could they do it? Could they pull up? Yeah, you never know. You just never know. This was so this was the I mean, that year we had you have a direct comparator because UCF went and lost to an LSU by a touchdown. And LSU lost to that Alabama team 29 to nothing. Yeah, so Alabama's year. probably winning that game. Yeah. But but yeah, we'll just do one more. We'll, I mean, we'll do one more real quick just because I'm curious. Let's jump to this this current year. I'm gonna skip over Memphis in 2019. Sorry, Memphis, but you weren't even competitive in your New Year Six. So I'm guessing you wouldn't be in the playoff. Uh, because this year you have two. You have Cincinnati host Georgia. I totally think Cincinnati wins that game. Yep. And you have Coastal Carolina visiting Notre Dame, which I also think actually could have been a really good game. I'm not saying Coastal wins. But that could have been a fun game. Well, we know what happens when Notre Dame gets into big bowl games. So, they... yeah, you give Notre Dame stakes, and congrats <laughs> to the other team. So, Coastal and Cincinnati both advancing. Good for them. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I'm not going to argue. But yeah, and like I said, that but that's what I'm, that's basically this is all just to illustrate the point that I do think that this might hurt Group of Five teams' ability to win a national championship because then you do just run you like Cincinnati if they won they would have had to play Alabama. Even if Coastal wins, they're playing Oklahoma. So, and Oklahoma was kind of down this year, but they also got really hot by the end of the year. So I yeah. don't know, but I, but I do think it's one of those things where I think that, and I'll predict now, and you can come back and tell me if I was right in a decade. I think that the group of five team is going to win its first round matchup probably about half the time. Um, and I think that they might only win the second round matchup, maybe one in five times, one in six times. I think it will happen occasionally. I think that's the part people are discounting. But yeah. that's probably it, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is we're looking at all of this in the short term, and like the long term could be completely different. Um, we just don't know how it's going to affect the sport. No one would have pre- like when they implemented the fourteen playoff. No one would have thought the sport would then be boring as hell in seven years. Like it's just you just there are always <laughs> going to be unintended consequences. So we just kind of have to see how this shakes out. Yeah, and yeah, and I think I do think in the long term we'll see we'll see a little bit more shifts in terms of who's a power, who's not. Yeah. Um, I think teams can rise and fall much easier now. Yeah. And it'll just be a lot more interesting to follow because, and that's the thing too, is you say like the, this would hurt, you know, you're not going to see a group of five team win the national championship, but you're giving them more of a chance than they have now. Yeah. You're not seeing it now. So So, at least now they have access. Yeah. At least now they have a chance. They have in the off chance that they just go on this dream run and somehow pull off these upsets three weeks in a row. You know, that's it's it's possible now, at least that before it just wasn't even possible. So and the stretch of f- college football now from like November as teams are narrowing in on a playoff spot to like through the mid January when the playoff ends like that's going to be just nonstop endless fun. Yeah, I will watch. I mean, I already do watch so much college football. But, yeah. And don't yeah, forget, I'd... you've got that. You've still got the other 30 bowls to watch <laughs> for fun, too. So yeah, all around fun. Yeah, no, I'm it's... super excited for this new system. I like I really I can't believe it's really happening. It's super surreal, but. 
I'm so I can't excited. even see a downside. And yeah, I think uh, I think it was last week when they were first starting to talk about this. I get a text from a friend, and he's like, "Is this actually like? Is this the real thing that's happening?" And I was like, "Like, and like, do you think it's actually gonna happen?" I was like, "No, like legit. The fact that they came out with this, and the only they have to run it up the flagpole, right? But the people that have to approve it are the people that wanted them to look into it, right?" They would never, ever have revealed such detailed information yeah. unless they knew they were going to do this. Yeah, and I think that's the, the funny thing is that just there was a little bit of skepticism there. But the fact that like this is such a real thing is is so cool. It's going to be so exciting, and I can't wait for it to start. Yeah, neither can I. I'm super excited. Yeah, and, and something we didn't really get into, which we can kind of get into a little bit now, but maybe more so next week is – what this kind of means for Gus Malzahn and what this kind of means for um, we talked a little about about UCS recruiting, but we're going to move into a little bit. Uh, our mini topic for this week is bounce house weekend, which was last weekend uh, on campus. They had, I couldn't even tell you how many recruits they had on campus, but seemed like a really fun weekend. Seemed like a nice, a nice success for Malzahn and his staff's first bounce house weekend. Um, a lot of fun seemed to be had. I wish I was there. Um, yeah, I, I, like, like you said, we're going to talk about this a lot more next week, uh, really get into UCF's recruiting and how that's going. Um, but yeah, the bounce house weekend, it seemed like a lot of recruits had a lot of fun. And I feel like that's the best thing you can do in your UCF is just provide them with a memorable weekend because no, you're not going to be able to be like LSU and be like, look at our locker rooms where your locker turns into a bed for you to sleep in for some reason. <laughs> but I, and it seemed like, like everything on social media and everything that I know, like some of the recruits talked to some reporters, like just seemed like they had a ton of fun. And, uh, and like I said, the big thing to me, and we'll get into this next week too, is I know that like some UCF fans are like, well, why aren't these guys committing? Blah, blah, blah. First off, no one's really committing right now. I mean, it's starting up just now. And second, I still think the biggest advantage of this is that you have these guys who are enjoyed their weekend at UCF and really liked coach Gus Malzahn, but they're still going to go sign with Florida or they're going to go sign with Florida state or Clemson or Ohio state or yeah. You know, I mean, Florida and Florida state, not so much, but like the guys who we're talking about who are going to like leave the state. Yeah. Those are the guys who a year from now are either going to be like not playing or missing home. And they're going to remember Gus Malzahn and they're going to remember UCF and they're going to transfer back. Yeah. And I think that's the thing we talked about it. I don't remember if it was last week or a couple of weeks ago when we first heard of this idea, but it's just something that was so different. You know, they got to have a fun weekend, got to like get to know some of the other recruits, got to do a lot of fun things. And it's different than just your average, oh, campus visit, talk to the coaches, put on a jersey and then go home. It's something different. And, you know, UCF is great at different. And it looked like, yeah, I mean, it seemed like so many recruits had fun, saw a bunch of positivity, um, you know, from people who are already committed and people who are just recruits and, and a lot of even UCF current players, they were very excited to to have this um, happening and, and be a part of it. So on the whole, looked like a really fun time, looked like a huge, a huge success for the staff. And we'll see, you know, we'll see down the line if, if any of these guys do commit or if any of you guys do come back um, and, and point back to Bounce House Weekend as something that's stuck in their mind for, for UCF uh, and, and their recruiting process. But we'll go ahead and we'll jump into the news here to uh, wrap this up before our, our drip you quiz session of the week, which oh, hopefully I can't wait. Hopefully goes better than it did last week for me. But um, a little bit of university news, uh, Mackenzie Scott and her husband, Dan Jewett uh, gave $40 million to UCF, the largest donation in school history as a quote investment to strengthen proven pathways to opportunity so the biggest donation in UCF school history um, I mean just that's huge that's that's a massive thing um, I know FIU got a big donation from them as well and they were just giving away money left and right um, a, a good thing to see really cool for UCF to be a part of it um, football wise Derek Gaines was uh, he earned academic all district honors 
And another bit of donation news, uh, Blake Bortles and Latavius Murray, two former Knights, combined to donate $500,000 to UCF Sports Medicine. And the Sports Medicine Center in the Wayne Dench Center now will be called the Bortles and Murray Athletic Training Room, which I just, that's so cool to me. I, I don't know. That news came out and I was like, this is making me so happy. I just had the biggest smile on my face. Um, and yeah, just to have to have a room now called the Bortles and Murray Athletic Training Room is, is another thing that you can kind of say like, hey, you, you know Blake Bortles, you know Latavius Murray, two guys in the NFL at NFL careers. They came here and, and that's a thing that you could tell recruits and your current players too. Um, yeah, whenever the starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers is donating money to your school, <laughs> you know something's going right. Yeah, awesome stuff there. Um, tight end Alec Holler was put on full scholarship by Gus Malzahn, uh, announced on Wednesday. Those videos that they always that they put out, any any school, anytime somebody does that, where they put a walk-on on scholarship and the team goes crazy, I'm a sucker for those. So it was really cool to see that at UCF and really cool for for Alec Holler um, to, to get that and call his mom, everything. Yeah, just th- those videos are always great. Um, really cool to see. Uh, men's basketball, they uh, announced that Brandon Mahan will return to UCF in 2021. He previously was in the transfer portal, but thinking back to the charge on tour, Johnny Dawkins mentioned, he said, Brandon, and he, you and I were both like, didn't he leave? Like, what, what is that about? And I think it did seem, I guess, like maybe he had some hopes that he'd still be sticking around and he is. So I'm um, glad to have him back and it, it'll be good for, for some stability for UCF. Uh, a little bit of unfortunate news for UCF men's basketball. CJ Walker is currently recovering from a jet ski accident in which his cousin, Jeffrey Barksdale died. Uh, so just tragic, horrible news there. Um, you know, thoughts of course, to, to CJ and his family. And that's, that's just an awful, awful situation. And, you know, I guess I, I understand, as I understand it, CJ is feeling a little bit better himself um, since the accident. He's on his way to recovery. Um, but again, thoughts, thoughts to their family and a, a really, really hard time. Uh, women's basketball, they announced on Thursday that they will be competing in the Cancun Challenge this November. They'll face USC on Thanksgiving Day at 9 p.m. And they'll have another game Friday at 9 p.m. against Idaho State. Volleyball, uh, McKenna Melville was named uh, Cosita Academic First Team All-District uh, selection. Women's soccer, they had uh, incoming freshman Mia Asenho uh, was named the Gatorade Florida Girls Soccer Player of the Year. So huge news for, for UCF on their uh, incoming freshman class. Uh, that's exciting to, to see. And softball, they added a transfer this week after a bunch of transfers last week uh, f- across other sports. Softball added Kamal Woodall, Woodall uh, pitcher who was formerly with ECU and before that NC State. So with Aaliyah White gone, you know, hopefully um, this transfer at, will add some, some depth to the pitching rotation for 2022. Um, men's tennis, they, as, as one of the top, I think, 15 teams in the nation, they were number 11 at the end of the year, they earned the right to host uh, ITA kickoff weekend in January of 2022. They found out on Thursday that they'll be hosting matches against Louisville, Stanford, and Tulane. And same thing for women's tennis. They get to host in January ITA kickoff weekend. They host three top 50 teams. That's number 22, Auburn, number 31, Arizona State, and number 50, UC Santa Barbara. And a little bit of other women's tennis news. Assistant coach Christina Sanchez-Quintanar is leaving UCF after five seasons to take the head coaching position at Arkansas. So congratulations to her. UCF will miss her, but uh, a cool step for her in her career. And finally, outdoor track and field. They had their NCAA championships last weekend. Ashera Collins finished 23rd in the triple jump, earning an All-American uh, honorable mention nod. And Renaya Jones was the one coming away, the big winner of the weekend. She earned a silver 
in the 100 meter hurdles and that earned her first team all-american honors as a freshman so huge congratulations to her really exciting for her really exciting for the track and field program and also Renaya jones is now looking to qualify for the 100 meter hurdles for the tokyo olympics on saturday uh, in eugene at the olympic team trials so how cool would that be to see to see Renaya jones competing in the olympics this summer as a freshman in college uh, would be really cool to see really hoping that she puts up a, a good time on saturday in the trials but with that, uh, Christian, I'm really nervous for this uniform uh, quiz of the week. You did okay last week. Uh, I was one and two. Right. I was like one and two. Right? I'm two and two on the whole. So I'm coming into this week at 500. I think you're two and three. I think I asked three questions last week. We should have kept track of it. Wait. Anyway. No, you asked three last week. I got one right and two wrong. And I had one right the week before. So aren't you two and two then? Yeah, that's what I just said. Oh, okay. Sorry. My bad. <laughs> okay. uh, anyway. <laughs> well, here, I'll throw you an easy one. Or I think it's an easy one. You think, like. oh, you think all of them are easy, probably? No, some of these are intentionally hard, but I don't think this one is. Okay. Uh, it's just, I'm just asking you for a combo. I'm just giving you a game and asking you what the combo is. <laughs> totally uh, in 2016, UCF, for oh. the first time, had a military game. What was the combo, Bailey? They did, they did have a military game. Um, they wore gold helmets. They did. With uh, American flag decals. On one side of the helmet, yeah. Um, did they wear? They wore anthracite jerseys. They did. And they wore white pants. Ah, oh, you were so close. Ah, oh. uh, UCF has worn gold anthracite white, but it was against Stanford in 2019. Was it? Um, was it? They wore black pants. Black pants. They went gold anthracite black. I don't also think I like that. Also known as one of the worst combos they've ever worn. It's quite awful. I don't feel as bad for missing it then because it it wasn't memorable. You tried to make it better in your head. Yeah, I think that's what it was. That's what I'll, that's what I'll tell myself. But anyway, you uh, missed the missed the easy one. So um, <laughs> give me another one. UCF. This will be the last one for today. UCF has worn gold pants two times since 2016. Oh dear. What were the rest of the combos for those two games? The rest of the, oh my goodness. Are you I'll give you the me? games if you want. Okay, SMU was one of them. Yep. They wore they wore the uh, black nighthead jerseys in that game. They did. With the black, they wore the black helmets. They had the digi camo uh, decals. Exactly right. Yep, you okay. got one right. All right. And then what was the other one? The other one was Houston this past year. Oh, Houston this past year. Oh my gosh. Um, so they wore gold pants with gold helmets. Yep. And white jerseys. That's right. You got them both right. <laughs> okay, so See, I got the hard one. Fine. Stay at five hundred. I feel so much better now. You I lost feel, to FAU, feel, then beat Cincinnati. I feel better about getting that one right because, like, actually, I don't know. It was the harder one of the two, and then the previous sure. one was the worst. Like, it was one of the worst combos, so I don't feel yeah, bad. You tried to make it. the combo better. So, yeah, I think you're fine. I, th- I think that was it a was, successful outing. It was a successful week for me in the quizzes. <laughs> I, will, I will take that. I'll head into next week at 500, three and three. I don't know. I don't know how this is going to go long term. I'm going to get to a point where I'm going to be like, I don't know six and 13 i'm gonna go on some horrible losing streak and have to come back to get back the to important thing is you're still two weeks in you're still at 500 i think that's an accomplishment can we call it three weeks in okay three weeks in you're still at 500 <laughs> cool congrats all right I'm, I'm happy about that uh we'll see we'll see what next week has uh in store for me in the drip you quiz sessions but with that we'll get out of here uh thank you guys so much for listening We'll be back next week with episode 23. We'll do have having some recruiting talk on next week's episode. 
But until then, you can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at ByCASimmons, and at Night Sports Now. Again, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody.